It's MAGA Uncovered. It's actually our 10th show, would you believe? Welcome to the show where we uncover the MAGA brainwashing that is not covered by the mainstream media. I'm Anthony Davis, and he is Ron Filipkowski. Ron, how are you doing? Nothing happening this week, really? Is there nothing to talk about? Nothing going on? It, it, it was a slow news week uh, up until... Uh... Monday, right? I mean, then then kind of all hell broke loose. I mean, we just basically had like a Trump rally last weekend. That was about it. But uh, but yeah, lots of stuff in the last 24 hours. And, you know, we we I want to try and do this without smiling because I do I am gloating a little bit because I didn't actually think this day would come. And I'll explain in a little while where I think this day is or yesterday, the indictment day is going to end up because I actually probably have slightly different opinion to a lot of people about this. But for those who are, you know, have been living in a yurt for the last 24 hours, uh, Trump stands accused of conspiring in office to overturn the result of the 2020 presidential election following Joe Biden's victory. The indictment states Mr. Trump knowingly used false claims of electoral fraud in an attempt to subvert the legitimate election results. Uh, A bipartisan congressional committee report last year came to similar conclusions and provides much of the basis for the charges. But this represents the very first major legal attempt to hold Donald Trump accountable for events leading up to and including the storming of the Capitol by the mob on the 6th of January 2021. I think we should stop referring to him as the former president, Ron, and just start calling him Trump or Donald Trump. But I, you know, I, I was watching one of the news channels earlier and they kept saying, oh, because, you know, the former president and former President Trump. And, and I was like, I don't think I even want to hear like President and Trump together ever again. I'm just done with it. You know, he's like the least presidential creature on the planet. I never use it. I never use it when when I talk. I never use it in my tweets. In fact, even when I'm quoting somebody and they use the word in the sentence President Trump, I take the president out of the quote. Yeah, I, I specifically omit it. So, yeah, I don't even uh, I don't even use it. You're my kind of Republican. Um, <laughs> we should former, also just former. mention that about 20 minutes ago, there was these frightening scenes playing out at the U.S. Capitol where police evacuated Senate office buildings in response to a threatening phone call that was reportedly a hoax. Uh, they dispatched officers, the police said, after receiving warnings of a possible active shooter. I mean, we spoke last week about the idea that, you know, lone gunmen now, because of the political temperature, could actually take matters into their own hands. And obviously, hopefully, this was a hoax. Um, but still, it's a little frightening, isn't it? Because, you know, the, as the walls close in on Donald Trump, he's claiming they're after you as well as after me, and, and that is going to have a knock-on effect. The good news is that there was no, you know, riots or mass yeah. uprising or even protests. I mean, right. I mean, that's got to be a little bit of a blow to Donald Trump because... He's been calling for that for for months and months. You yes. know, if I get indicted, we have to rise up and fight back. And nobody did. So that's the positives. But yes, the negatives is we have to be aware of isolated incidents and um, and a lot of security, you know, on the prosecutors, the judges and the witnesses. The witnesses are in more danger because they don't have protection. Right. And once Donald Trump gets his discovery on this case. Yeah. He's going to find out all the people in his orbit that testified against him yeah. and hurt him. Yeah. And I believe the two main people are Mike Pence and Mark Meadows. And, you know, those are the people that 
I would be concerned about people like the Cassie Hutchison's, you know, lower down in the food chain who testified against him. Once Trump finds that out and he starts putting out uh, social media posts about them, yeah. trashing them, that's when we have to be concerned. I want to read Trump's tweet that he put out or his truth that he put out. I hate calling it a truth because, of course, it's actually a lie. It should be called yeah. lies social. Um, he, he, he put out, I mean, he's obviously put out a few. And yesterday he was like saying, why has it taken them two and a half years to kind of bring, bring this indictment? But the one that kind of tickled me the most this morning was thank you to everyone three exclamation marks. I've never had so much support on anything before. This unprecedented indictment of a form, former brackets highly successful president and the leading candidate by far in both the Republican Party and the 2024 general election, that's a lie, has awoken the world to the corruption, scandal and failure that has taken place in the United States for the past three years. America is a nation in decline, but we will make it great again, greater than ever before. And then he said something which I've never heard him say before. He wrote, I love you all, which is just weird, isn't it? The idea of that. He said that on the night of January 6th. That, yeah. That's the last time I think he said that. Right. Um, there's a pattern to these yeah. posts from Trump. Yeah. The pattern is this, and it plays out every single time. When bad news hits, he goes dark. He goes silent. You yeah. don't hear from him for three or four hours. And what we always hear from people behind the scenes around him is, that's when he is, gets deeply depressed, goes through this dark period, then gets very angry, starts cursing and yelling and throwing things. Catch up. Then calms down and comes out and declares that he's happy. You know, everything's great. You know, it, it's this fake, false bravado. I tweeted about it this morning, you know, acting like he's unconcerned and this doesn't bother him and he's, he's winning. But behind the scenes... Yeah. That's not what the people are saying that yeah. he's he's a, he's a hot, hot mess. Yeah. Let's talk about the indictment for a second. 47 pages. I mean, very clearly laid out. I mean, there's, you know, you really can't argue with much of this. And this is something we've said all along is that the evidence against Trump is so compelling uh, in terms of testimony and recordings and video. It's like it's not it's not like this is just circumstantial. Right. This is this is very much facts that can be presented to a to a jury and of course it will be a jury that decides Trump's fate but you know what you pointed out is that his his defense is very interesting and already one of his lawyers has gone on TV and has basically spewed their defense which is kind of two things isn't it just explain to us what what they're kind of going to be offering up as a defense to these charges yeah so i mean i've defended over 7,000 criminal cases. So this is normally not done. I mean, you normally don't want to go out there and tip off the prosecutors and everybody what your defense is going to be. You want to, you want to hold your cards close to the vest. You want to wait till you get discovery, see what the government's evidence is, then present your defense and adjust your defense based on that. The problem is he's representing Donald Trump. So he, he's, the lawyers also have to consider that he's running for president and bad news has to be responded to, and they have to go out and give people and the political donors and his voters confidence that there's a chance they're going to beat this. So while you normally wouldn't go out and give away the goods here in public, he kind of has to do, he's forced to do it because the politics of it. The two defenses, one is more like just a political thing where he's floating that Donald Trump has a First Amendment right to, you know, contest the election and dispute the results and all of that. 
I mean, that's all nonsense. In, in all conspiracies are, are words. Words put people in prison every day. Uh, there's no First Amendment right. If you tell somebody to commit a crime or direct people to obstruct justice, yes, those are words, but they're not protected by the First Amendment. That whole argument is just for the public. It's for politics. The second argument is more interesting, which could have more traction with a jury, which is that Donald Trump truly believed in his heart and in his head that the election was stolen. And despite the fact that everyone around him was telling him it wasn't stolen, it was legit, he truly believed it. Therefore, everything he did was in good faith. So it's an interesting argument to make. And, and, and there's a few holes in that argument. But, but the, other part, the other part, which is he's floating too, which he talked about more today, was the fact that they want to then also present proof that the election was in fact stolen that they want to go back and present evidence from Georgia and Arizona and Michigan and Pennsylvania trying to relitigate all of the lawsuits that were thrown out to try and show, well, look, Donald Trump really believed this stuff because it was legit. I cannot see the judge allowing that. It's going to open up a massive can of worms. It's probably not relevant, but that's something that they're sort of threatening to do. So this is where my view may differ from yours and other people's, and that is this, the First Amendment thing I agree with you. Like, the First Amendment doesn't really hold water in this case because he's, you know, he's not really a citizen. He's either a president or a former president, and therefore he has a responsibility, right? So you have to be thoughtful of the oath of office that you took, and therefore you can't just go and say anything about anybody or anything and think that it's, it doesn't count. You're, you're not a citizen. You're not a regular person. But the second thing which I, I find most interesting is this idea that he thought that the election was stolen. He genuinely thought the election was stolen. And this is where the mental health argument comes in that I am interested in, which is, you know, he's a malignant narcissist, right? He is. I mean, the guy is. And there's dozens and dozens of mental health professionals have confirmed this. You do not need to sit in a room and do a, an assessment of this guy. He's the most videoed and photographed person on the planet. There is enough kind of stimulation to kind of work that out, right? He, because of his malignant narcissism, could be convinced that the election was stolen, even though William Barr told him, the vice president told him. I mean, the list of senior officials who told him that the election wasn't stolen, it was free and fair, is unprecedented. And yet, the insanity of the man, in my view, could be the reason why he kind of, you know, doesn't convince the jury that that he thought anything other than it was because all he cares about is Trump. He's obsessed. He talks about himself in the third person. How how do you kind of counter argue that that this guy is is, you know, so caught up in his own mental state that he can't see anything beyond his his face? Well, you you do make a very good point, and that that is pretty much his defense. And and what bolsters that is the fact that he surrounded himself with some people, not people in the White House, yeah. but people outside the White House that he was bringing in that were telling him what he wanted to hear. Sidney Powell, yeah. Michael Flynn, yeah. Patrick Byrne, John Eastman. These are outsiders that he's bringing in that are feeding him the things that he wanted to hear. Christina Bob, others. So the question, so that that's going to say where he's going to say, well, look, I didn't agree with DOJ. I didn't agree with White House counsel. I agreed with these other people. Yeah. So that bolsters that argument. 
But as far as like bringing in uh, how his mind works and being a malignant narcissist and all of that, you know, that would be more of an insanity type defense that wouldn't really fit in this case. And that's case. the downside to this, isn't it? You because can't really the, use that. Yeah, because the yeah. moment you go down the mental health road, then you're getting into a completely different territory. And I'm sure right. that both you know prosecutors and, and the defense don't want to kind of go into that area in the same way that the media don't want to talk about Trump's mental health and they don't want to talk about tr the Trump cult and all of these kind of ancillary aspects to it. Um, the other thing that I thought about this is because it, it's going to be a jury that, that ultimately convicts him, I'm not convinced that a jury would be want to be responsible with putting a former president behind bars just because of this inbuilt patriotism the unprecedented nature of it there's no precedent for it what do you think about that you know if this does ultimately boil down to a jury i i just can't see a jury even with all the evidence i think that there is too much kind of of a you know Amer american culture like stacked against them I think it's going to make it hard, but we're not talking about, you know, putting Gerald Ford in prison. You know, uh, this is somebody who's despised by a huge percentage of the American population. So it's not like he, uh, you know, is just a kindly old former president. It's not like we're we're putting George H.W. Bush in, in prison, you know, so it's a different situation. And it's a D.C. jury. And and that's really what they're. Look, they're going to they're going to start attacking the judge. OK, Obama appointed judge, woman of color. They're, they're going to and, and a very tough sentencer of J6 defendants. They're going to go after the judge and they're going to go after this jury. They're already Ron DeSantis already said this today, that it's unfair to have this trial in D.C. because D.C. juries will convict any Republican of anything with no evidence, which is wildly irresponsible yeah. to just say that all of the citizens in our nation's capital and you know what he's also saying that there's a, a large yeah. black population yeah, he's, he's being he's being just this as is, racist as he racist always is dog whistle yeah. yeah he's saying they'll can they don't like black people don't like republicans so we have no we, we don't have a chance yeah. and the trial should be moved to like west virginia or something you know which is ridiculous i mean everyone in the united states in, from the beginning of the history of this country has always been tried where the crime was committed. That's it. We're yeah. not going to make a special exception for Donald Trump so he can get an all-white jury. And, and by the way, he's going to get that kind of a jury in Florida because right. the trial was moved to Fort Pierce. Right. It's a county that he won by like 16 points, So, and it's almost all white. So you know he, he's going to get that kind of a jury. You, you, don't, you don't get to pick and choose the community. You know, where the community you commit the crime is the jury you get. Let's talk about the uh, reaction, the MAGA reaction to Trump's indictment. They're, they're going crazy about this, aren't they? And, and, and in fact, it was the first time I'd seen Marjorie Taylor Greene lost for words because, you know, she, they don't really have an argument at this point. You know, the, 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 this 47-page indictment, if they've read it, if anyone's read it, they'll see how compelling it is. Let me just play the clip of how Marjorie reacted when she was asked about the indictment going to be soon indicting President Trump in Washington, D.C., and it's it's going to be something like we've never seen before. Um, I think it's going to truly put not only President Trump and his, his family, um, all of his staff, uh, put them to a test they've never been tested on, but it's also going to test our nation. 
And I, it's something that I've prayed about a lot. And I'm, I, it's just sad to me. Um, Jack Smith, he's a terrible attorney. He, he has a lot of failures in his career, but he is abusing his power, the power of the special counsel and the department of justice. And she's, she doesn't know what to say. I mean, none of those points make sense. She's, you know, oh, the family's going to be upset. Uh, Jack Smith's a terrible attorney. I mean, like, this is stuff a, a, a kid would say. She's kind of lost all authority in this moment. There's three groups of people, Republicans we have to look at here. So the one group is the diehards like Green. And, and I, I've said this for a year, that what I expected to happen as each, and I expected there to be four criminal indictments, in 2023, I said 2023 was going to be the year of accountability where all of this stuff was going to happen. And what I thought was going to happen, I think is happening, which is the weight of each one is starting to press down on them. Right. And they're starting to get worn out and they're starting to get exhausted because not only do they have to try and make up all this stuff about Joe Biden with Hunter and go through all of those and, and, and that case is falling apart and looking, making them look ridiculous. So you have to go through all of that. At the same time, constantly defending Trump on all of these different allegations and uh, things he did in, in office, out of office. And, and I think it's wearing on them. I think it's affecting them. I think also the revelations of how much money he spent on lawyers, how it's draining all of his campaign money, that's bothering them. So I think it's like they're all in with Trump. They can't back out now, but they realize that this is not looking good now. So there's that group that's getting depressed. Then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is the chunk of congressional Republicans who have said nothing like Mitch McConnell. And that speaks volumes, the fact that they've said nothing. You also have a tiny sliver of people like Mike Pence, of all people, Mike Pence has grown a pair. All of a sudden, Mike Pence is starting to speak up and fight back and condemn Trump. He's gotten a little bit brave in the last few days. I think part of that is because his campaign isn't getting any traction. And his people are telling him, you have to fight and yeah. you have to fight Donald Trump. And he also and probably read the indictment it. and saw that, you know, the, the, the evidence is so compelling, but also the fact yeah. that Pence's name was mentioned a hundred times in this indictment. Yes. And that must be pretty terrifying if you are Mike Pence and you are running for president, yeah. both of which apply to Mike Pence. And, and the response to that from Trump today yeah. was for the first time, he really took a shot at Pence where he said he was not going to win re-election for governor had he not chosen him for VP. That's the first time Trump's ever said that. So, so Trump's kind of gone out of his way to took a shot at him today. But I'm very encouraged. I was very upset with Pence for months and months and months. But last few days, very encouraged with what I'm hearing from Pence. And then there's that, that other group, which is just the worst group to me, which is a lot of the Republicans in Congress that are coming out and I know that they don't like Trump, but you know, people like Rubio and others who Daniel Webster, there, there's a few that are somewhat reasonable, intelligent Republicans. Like they're not idiots and they're out there, you know, condemning this and spouting off all this nonsense. They're the most disappointing to me because they know what they're saying is a lie yeah. and they're, but they're saying it anyway. I feel slightly differently about Mike Pence. He talks in riddles, doesn't he? Like, he never actually completes a sentence. It's all, it's like a word salad with him. 
And I agree with you. I mean, he actually did a piece to camera or was interviewed uh, yesterday and spoke for about two and a half minutes. It was kind of impressive that he committed that much time to this subject because he normally just does one sentence and then runs in the opposite direction. But I just wish he would be more explicit with his language. You know, I just wish he would come out and say things directly. The closest we got with Mike Pence to you know, really kind of dealing with this matter yesterday was when he said that no president who puts himself ahead of the Constitution should be allowed to be the president of the United States. Well, again, I mean, he's not saying Trump's name and he's just just putting it out there, allowing everyone else to kind of work out what the hell he's talking about. That's, that's who Mike Pence is. Hey, I had a dream, Ron. I actually dreamt that Trump got um, arrested and jailed and you know this is like in a year's time or something and that DeSantis's campaign had collapsed and Chris Christie was out of the race because he had a heart attack <laughs> and that Mike Pence ended up being the presidential candidate and and ended up being the kind of de facto leader of the Republicans that was my dream in reality he probably should be I mean yeah. I'm He's probably the only one, you know, he doesn't have any personal baggage or scandal or, you know, I mean, he's a true traditional conservative, you know, evangelical. I I said early on in his campaign, Mike Pence is the perfect candidate for a Republican primary in 1996, you know, (laughs) because he's the classic old school Republican who who would probably be the favorite 10 years ago or right. 12 years ago. But isn't right. that where, where Republicans should take the party? They yes. should take it back to that place yes. of, of traditional conservatism. And Mike Pence, as we know, is the whitest man in America, uh, both in terms of complexion and, and hair. And consequently, um, he's a perfect fit. I really, I, I don't like Mike Pence. I think he's, he's disgraceful personally, but I feel that, you know, everyone praises him for doing his duty on the January 6th, and all he did was his job. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't go above and beyond. He literally no. just did the bare minimum. And he tried to find a way out of doing yeah. that yeah. <laughs> until yeah. everyone around him said, no, Mike, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> He's a coward. That's how I see yeah. it. Let's yeah. talk about um, uh, some more reaction to the indictment. And also, in fact, let's talk about what Alina Haber had to say, because she's one of Trump's lawyers. Wasn't she the one that was recently downgraded in terms of her, which was the lawyer, the female lawyer that kind of got dropped a little bit? I can't tell. Uh, they're, all, they're all kind of... The same I wouldn't to me. say downgraded. He moved her into the campaign. I think because he likes being around her and right. he likes taking her on the road and he wants to free her up from her law practice and from his legal cases. Yeah. And so he made her his legal spokesperson. <laughs> so not not legal wife, but close enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, she he seems to be spending more time with her lately than yeah. his own wife yes who's does hasn't been seen very much lately well that's because but, trump's uh, married to his daughter we all know that yeah. um okay let's look at this clip of alina haber trying to claim that uh, 40 million dollars in uh, money that had been raised was suitably spent here it is there's nothing illegal 
about this. And when you support the president, you support getting him into office. I think the one thing we can all agree on is they've weaponized the legal system to prevent him from getting into office. So the defense of the same, I don't see as problematic. And I know that legally it's not. And that's really all I'm going to say on that. Um, but if you look at the numbers, I think it's just completely disgusting. But I also invite the public to look at the numbers that the DOJ is spending attacking uh -huh. uh, President no, I, Trump. I, I, yeah, so here's what's gross about that. Go on. A few things. Number one, she's getting a big chunk of that money, so right. she's defending her own salary. Number two, this was money that what, Trump is the king of the small donor donations, okay? He doesn't get the billionaire donations anymore. Those are all going to other people. But he is very, very good. Nobody's better at getting those $25 recurring monthly donations out of people's Social Security checks. He, he you know? robs the poor. Let's be clear. He, he, he literally does. Robs he fleeces the poor. them. Yeah. I think I saw the number he had over a two-year span in 21 and 22, 700,000 different people sent him money. That's a massive number of people. No one else can come close to that. So these people are sending in their money and they're thinking that he, this is the problem. He, he, he could have set up a legal defense fund like all of his other people have done. They all set up their legal defense funds and raised money that way. So he could have done that, but he didn't want to because he wouldn't have raised 40 million for his legal defense. They, I think a lot of those donors would have said, well, he can pay for his own lawyers. He's a billionaire, right? So he doesn't. He says, send me this money so I can get reelected president and pass all these agenda and all of that. So they actually think that the money is going to the campaign when, in fact, it's going to lawyers. So there was a pretty significant backlash, even among MAGA diehards, about this. They did not like this revelation. And that's why I say it's not going to be one thing where the dam is going to break. It's this fraying of the carpet and yeah. losing people a little bit at a time. This was another fray. This money going to lawyers really did not make MAGA happy. Now, am I right in saying that the RNC actually paid his legal fees until he Before. announced his run for president? Is that right? Well, that's another interesting story because, you know, he wanted to announce for president even earlier than yeah. he already did. He yeah. wanted to announce last summer. Uh, he wanted to get out in front of everything. But. He, but the Ronna McDaniel was so upset about that because she didn't want him taking all the air out of the balloon of the Senate candidates and the congressional candidates, which would have happened. Had Donald Trump gone out and declared for president, he would have sucked up all the oxygen right in the middle of the midterms. So she made a deal with him that if he promised not to announce until after the midterms, she would pay his legal bills. So that lasted until the midterms, and then that ended. It's so screwed up, isn't it? And then of this $40 billion, it turns out that there's also $108,000. Tell us where that was spent. Well, that went to Melania's hairdresser, um, <laughs> who, <laughs> who was listed as a consultant to the yeah. campaign. Yeah. You know, which in theory, I mean, you know, she's got great hair. Yeah. You, you know, I'm not going to take that away from Melania. She's got some beautiful hair. And, you know, obviously that costs money, but uh, 108000 seems a bit much. Part of it was he got a, a, a year-end bonus, too, of like $2,500. It was paid in monthly installments. So here again, though, it's these people are sending in, you know, mom and pop in these small towns all over America that don't have much money or sending it in because he's going to save the world. 
and it's going to this, you know, French guy who's Melania's hairdresser. Uh, it's just, it's just gross. It's just disgusting. Um, but it might but, be the thing that breaks the spell because, you know, I yeah. do a lot of reading and study and interviews about the cult of Trump. And the cult of Trump, you know, you, there's often a trigger moment where people go, hang on a second, you know, this isn't, this isn't real. And finding out that your investment or your support, financial support has been used for trivial things. Nobody likes lawyers. And so to know that lawyers are being paid. I mean, there is this argument, you know, Trump keeps saying, you know, support me and help make America, uh, America great again. But you know, I keep asking myself, what is America great again, other than him being installed as president? And then everybody can be just be racist again. I mean, that really is just the deal, isn't it? You know, get him in, then you can be as racist as you like. The police can be as violent as they like. And, you know, everyone is, anyone is fair game. And I, I really feel like this is a vote for the people that are supporting Trump. This is like a vote for a kind of anti-woke campaign. You know, if, if Trump wins, then no one has to be woke anymore. And, and it really is as simple as that. So I'm hoping the spell will be broken. The more people expose, like yourself, expose where this money is going and how Trump has lied and lied and lied on top of lies, that people then might start to realize that actually he is not the messiah that they thought he was. Yeah. And the people on social media, by the way, or the reporters who dig into these campaign finance reports are very valuable resources. If yeah. you're interested in politics, follow some of these guys like Roger Sollenberger is one. Rob Pyers is another. There, there's three or four that do a great job really digging into these finance reports. And it's, it's terribly interesting. Carrie Lake, uh, who I keep saying is going to end up being his he, um, running mate, if indeed he runs and isn't in Guantanamo Bay, uh, she is on the full defense for Donald Trump right now. Let's take a look at how she handled things. They're trying to indict Donald Trump over J6. Well, every single uh, thing they've thrown at him, um, he's turned it right back in their face and, and he's proven to be right. They're wrong. They're just, they're just trying to bring him down. And you can't bring down a giant like Donald J. Trump. And I'll be honest, I think he would welcome that indictment. He would welcome a trial. I think he said it would be the trial of the century. I don't think that when they, they thought of all of that, and maybe during those meetings with his attorney, the attorneys brought it up and said, do you really want this? Because it's going to come right back in your face. They're playing checkers, and President Trump is playing, you know, chess at the highest level. So I, I don't think they, uh, they want to pick a fight with him. She's wrong. <laughs> the idea that so, Trump would welcome this indictment was my favorite line. Yeah, which is utterly ridiculous. That that's the bravado, the fake, the fake bravado. But she said she said that in that interview the day that Trump's lawyers went and met. You know, they got the target letter. Yeah, and they showed up. Which sometimes lawyers don't even show up when they get those because they know it's a waste of time. Uh, so the target letters are just like if you have, we're about to indict. If you have anything that you want to bring to us to prove his innocence, this is your last chance. That's what it, that's basically what it means. Most lawyers don't even go. They're just like, do what you got to do because yeah. they know it's a waste of time. But they went and I, and I think that they went at the insistence of Trump. But, you know, this is Carrie. You have to know nothing's going to happen. But this is Carrie Lake goes on TV and says, you know, I think they're going to back down after they hear from Trump's lawyers. They're going to change their mind because he's playing high level chess. I mean, it just goes to show what a fool she is. And by the way, she's 
going all over the country campaigning for Trump. She yeah. went to Idaho, California. She's all over the place. Well, it's Oregon. her job now, isn't it? I mean, this is how she makes yeah. money. This is this is the thing. This Everyone is, is in on the grift. And but I, I don't understand it because I really do. I disagree with that. I really don't believe she's going to be his choice for VP. I really do believe it's going to be Elise Stefanik. Yeah, uh, I feel. 100% confident in that now. I'm, I'm doubling down. I'm looking forward uh, to having it out with you nearer the time. Yeah, what, well, when it happens, we're, one of us is going to win something. Yeah. But, um, but the other reason why it doesn't make sense is, she, if she, is, you know, she really needs to be running for Senate, which seems to be her plan B here, but she needs to get on with it instead of running around the country. I'm not sure what she's doing. Okay, the next subject are three words that should never appear in the same sentence together. But I'm going to say them. I'm just going to say them once. And I apologize to anybody who's listening. Rudy sex tapes. Oh, man. I mean, this is this is really a very unsavory conversation, but probably even more unsavory for the poor young woman who was on the receiving end of this abuse from the former America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Tell us the story. Yeah, a little little controversial on Twitter that I posted the excerpt from the transcript about him harassing her, although it was from a transcript from the tape that came from the lawsuit that came out today. Um, so I think a little controversial because it was a little graphic, uh, but uh, I didn't think it was over the top graphic. Uh, and I think it needed to be seen. And sometimes when you put it behind a click, people aren't going to see it. And I, yeah. I just thought it needed to be seen by as many people as possible. Yeah. Because Rudy still, Rudy still goes on, you know, Newsmax, and he still goes on all these shows. They still bring him on as a, as a legal expert. And and he's got to be discredited once and for all and finished off. And 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 this lawsuit might be one way of doing that in addition to the January 6th stuff. Uh, but basically what this is, is a, he hired a personal assistant, basically he hired a girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, in he said he'd pay her a million dollars a year, didn't he? Yeah. And just sexually harassed her from day one. Yeah. And uh, look, I will say, I think she kind of knew the deal going in. I think she thought that she would have to do some things. I don't think she thought it was going to get as gross and disgusting and horrible as it became. Yeah. So I think she went into it a little bit with her eyes open, but then, you know, it, things just got very dark in a hurry, but it really shows what a horrible person Rudy is. She also described him as just, you know, addicted to uh, Viagra and lots of booze, constantly yeah. drinking. So, yeah, he's just become just this gross subhuman person. And hopefully, you know, this will help finish him off. But the, the, the worst part of this is he didn't even pay her, right? He offered her a million bucks to kind of be his personal assistant slash, slash mistress. Uh, is, you know, sexually abusive towards her. The transcript is not very you know it's quite unsavory reading but you know he talks about her breasts and his ownership of them and all of this stuff it's really disgusting and but you know she's suing him because he didn't even pay her for her work that's why she's suing him yeah yeah that's, that's what i'm saying i don't think she's 100 percent innocent i mean i believe she's absolutely a victim and what happened to her shouldn't have happened yeah but at the same time you know she was stuck with him for two years through all of this stuff and she didn't she only sued him when he stopped paying her so you know yeah I, but i'm um, you know she serves him right you know 
uh, she, she, she deserved to be paid for what she well, had. This to put is, up this with. is my point. Like everyone yeah. has their price and you yeah. know, I would want several millions to be right. stuck in a room with Rudy Giuliani. Um, yeah, her lawsuits for 3 million. Hopefully she gets it. I, I hope so. Let's uh, talk about Mike Lindell. He's been selling off bits and pieces from his factories for my pillow. You could buy yourself a sewing machine or all sorts of stuff he's literally running out of money at an incredible rate isn't he this guy he now he's always like talking about another plan he's got another plan he's been talking about a plan and this time this is the plan that's going to be the one that's going to show everybody i don't know what it's going to show everybody let me play the clip and then we'll talk about this guy i talked to general flynn today and and he is actually one of a few people uh, uh there's about 11 people that have been shown the complete plan that um, that we've been working on for over a year. Include this includes the people that helped me with it, right? Right. And he looked at this plan, and he said, you know, he's a general. They they got plans all the time, and he said it's beautiful. He doesn't see any holes in it. He actually added a couple things, and he's going to come on my show hopefully tomorrow night. Everybody, um, uh, we've been working hard every day, 18 hours a day now, 18 hours a day, every day up until and for the last month. Uh, working on this event, getting the agenda ready. It's like uh, the two days. He's a freaking idiot, that guy, isn't he? I mean, it's like the plan. He just likes hearing the words, the plan. I mean, maybe he thinks he's Scooby-Doo. Yeah, he likes his buzzwords. By the way, his host there, Brandon, uh, looking pretty sharp and in, in a nice new suit there. Uh, lots of people. That That's the important point to make is this. People do not realize who don't do what I do following MAGA, the extent to which Mike Lindell finances so many of these horrible people, some of the worst people on the right in the in their ecosystem and their YouTube channels, their their propaganda channels on Rumble are financed by Lindell. Lindell is their chief sponsor. So Steve Bannon show, you could go on and on. I could give you 20 shows where he's the sponsor. So if he goes away, they kind of lose their their um, sugar daddy, really. So so that's really why I'm hoping very much and I stay on Lindell constantly because I'm really hoping that I feel terrible for the people, his employees in Minnesota that work for him, that they will be out of work, that he's doing this to them. But at the same time, he finances a lot of really dark, terrible people. So. This this thing that he's talking about, he's going to have another big symposium on August 17th and 18th, where really his thing now, now that he's kind of given up on reinstating Trump to the presidency uh, right now, he his new thing is he wants to have the same day voting, all paper ballots, national rules for the elections. Of course, it's never going to happen. It's ridiculous. But uh, he he says if he can't get 10 million people to watch this on the live stream that he's he's basically says he's going to give up and it's not going to work. So, he's not going to get 1 million. He's not even get close to that. So, I um so maybe hopefully he will be bankrupt soon and he'll be out of our lives. I do I was thinking um, this idea of, of at what point do do these people have their fill of this whole conversation? And in fact, I made a video reacting to that Marjorie Taylor Greene video that we saw earlier of her being furious and not really knowing what to say about this indictment, where I, I said at the end of the video, which we posted yesterday, I just said, it's enough now, Marjorie. Like, it's enough. 
just stop now. And, and this is kind of what I want to say to all of these people who are just like on it the whole time, just lying and lying and propaganda and, you know, self-obsession and worshipping Trump. And it's just constant. And it's like, look, the guy tried to overturn the US election. He's being caught. Just like, let's put him away and move on, get this country back where it should be. I mean, the country's rating was downgraded by, by one of these, uh, um, you know, finance companies again today. It's gone down from what, a, down to a triple A now because yeah. of the fact that governance is, is questionable in the US. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the country is, is, democracy is on its knees and will not be back where it should be until the conclusion of Trump's prosecution, in my view. And, and we just need people like Lindell just to give it up. It's enough already. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, Christina Bob, who's Trump, one of Trump's you know, campaign lawyers, who's obsessed with the election of 2020, also moonlights as a correspondent for right side broadcasting that yeah. covers the Trump rallies. Right. So this last Trump rally in Pennsylvania, she um, kept asking people over and over again about election fraud in 2020 and really spent sort of half the, the broadcast, the pre-rally broadcast, like five hours long. I say this because I watch it, okay? I'm sorry <laughs> to say. But uh, she, so she filled up about half that broadcast of five hours talking about 2020. And I, I, I talked to her boss the next day, actually. I talked to her boss, or, or the guy who's over, over her, the program director. And I said, I said, man, do you really, really think even your own people still want to hear three hours about the 2020 election. I said, even the polls in the focus group show, even MAGA's tired of talking about yeah. the 2020 election. You know, you need to move on. I mean, find some policy to talk about. You know, that would be yeah. nice. You know, wax on about immigration or inflation, something. But it's like, it's, it just gets to a point now where the country has to, you know, move to a, to a better place, a better space. Families at the dinner table are sick of it, you know. Um, talking of the Trump rally, I'm going to show some clips from this Trump rally. Is this from the Minnesota one? Uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, let's uh, sit back and enjoy some of the magic of the Trump rally supporters. Here they are. Who do you rely on to get your news from? Q. Q? Cool. Q. A wish. It's my birthday present to myself. So uh, I'd love to have him wow. wish me a happy birthday. Not only does he part of us, he's part of us. He truly is. And the things that they're, they're, the liberals are putting his family through is horrendous. I am a huge Trump supporter, and I was just told yesterday that I was part of a cult, and I'm damn proud of it. I am. I mean, I only associate myself with people that are like me and believe like me, you know, so none of my friends are like that. I believe in the man. He tells the truth, never lies, and he supported our country, and he's fighting for our country. And I. Gotta support the king. So what's more, uh, the king Jesus than the king, king Trump? How about it? Right? Exactly. Yeah. You you are so correct. Yes, King Jesus first, and then King Trump. And even uh, you're going to be taken. Is it? We're going to be baby China. I think we've been sold off, and that they're going to take us over from the inside without throwing a shot. 
watching the live stream that night or listening, and they were two of them came back and said they didn't want to certify, and it went dead for a few minutes, and then they came back and they certified. USA, 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 USA. They are doing it. We have the proof. We found the double voting. We've seen the algorithms. Uh, our lead research guy in the New York audit had a peer paper published about his research and what he did. It's been published. It's been approved. It's facts. What's grace and so are all the uh, so the left and the uh, rhinos, the globalists. They Gilmore. <laughs> Gilmore. I agree with you on that, ma'am. Other people, these on both sides, they're in it for themselves, for their pocketbooks, for their power. Trump isn't one of them. Yeah. The thing most importantly I like is lower taxes and his Christian values that he stands for. Uh, for his, his Christian values, of which we can list none. Um, this, is, this is the America that, that loves Trump. Yeah, and, and these are my favorite things to do. This is why I spend five hours watching the pre-rally shows, is because I want all of America to see who the Trump supporters are. Who are so when he brags about the people, all these people going to his rallies, I want to show the American people exactly who they are and what they think. These are people who, as the first guy said, they don't watch any news, they don't watch any network TV, they're very online, they're very conspiratorial, they have all kinds of theories, they believe, you know, in these apocalyptic things, the world's going to end tomorrow, China's taking over, that, you know, the communists are, are at the door. They're, and, you know, brown people are invading. It's paranoia. It's fear. And he traffics in that. And let me tell you who also pays attention to these things. Donald Trump. You know, Donald Trump listens to these interviews of these people. He hears what they say. And this is this is the feedback. This is the feedback uh, thing. Uh, reverb where they say something. He hears it. He uses it in his speech. Um, so, yeah, he, he understands these people very well. Uh, I think so do I, uh, from having attended so many rallies and, and watched so many of these interviews. But I think it's very, very important for those moderate, reasonable, educated swing voters to see these people and to, and to say to them, are, is this the team that you want to be on? Are these really the people you want to associate yourself with? Because when you become part of Team Trump, you become part of this. I have a slightly different view, which is that I actually feel really sorry for these people, you know, because they have been grifted upon, they've given their money away, they've bought, you know, these hats are not cheap, right? It's like <laughs> they've, they've invested, and, and Trump does not care one iota about these people. He really doesn't. He just sees them as fodder, and, you know, they've but, been lied but to. Can I, can I stop it right there? Because yeah, sure. I want to ask you about this. The second guy... Yes. Who said he went to that rally? It's his 59th rally. Yeah. And he really hoped that Trump was going to wish him happy birthday during his speech. Yeah. When you said he, that he doesn't care about them, but they think that he does. They think that he does. Yeah. But this is what Pam, Pam Hemphill said when I interviewed her a couple of weeks ago on the, on the weekend show, the, the, the January 6th defendant. She said that the reason that she went up to the Capitol building on the 6th of January was because she was told that Trump would be there and there was a chance that she might get to meet him or see him. And, you know, it's like it's completely delusional. But there is this 
I mean, this is what a cult is. This is why I keep bringing it back to the cult. And in that video, of course, there's that guy that says, you know, they, they saw it was, it was a woman, wasn't it? I, they say I'm in a cult and well, if I am, then that's great. You know, they want to be in the cult. So many people show up at these rallies, Anthony, who with memorabilia and things that they think that they are going to get to meet him. Yeah. They have things that they want to show him that they've written about him. Right. They have they bring paintings that they've painted of him. It's like the Pope, of, isn't it? It's like when the Pope yeah. gets in the Pope mobile and does that thing and yeah. touches a few hands and people feel blessed. I mean they really do have this exactly this complete kind of religious connection with him, which of course exactly. stops when it reaches him because, you know, he only believes in one thing and that's himself. Um all right, let's talk about Ron DeSantis, who, you know, we've mentioned on the show already that he's his campaign is taking a bit of a nosedive. He's got rid of a whole bunch of campaign staff trying to reduce his costs after spending too much money. He got into a bit of an altercation about what he said about uh, slavery. This is to do with the curriculum in Florida and wanting to or suggesting that slaves must have learned skills as slaves. Just tell us the context before I show the video. The context and the politics of this are incredibly interesting to me um, in a study of why DeSantis is failing, which is, okay, the curriculum that comes out in Florida, the African-American studies curriculum talks about the fact that everybody knows this part of the story that, yeah. the, you know, it said that uh, slavery, you know, people learn skills in slavery that they were able to use to benefit them when they were free. Yeah. But so DeSantis has had a lot of these moments over the last five or six years. But the thing is, is that the right wingers always had his back and pe people in Congress always had his back and always defended him staunchly online in Congress and the media always defended him. But now he's lost all of that. No one defends him and everybody on the right, all the Trump supporters are looking for any reason to attack him. So when this came out, he was surprised that when he got in a little tiff with Disney. All the Trump people sided with Disney. Trump sided with Disney. And that shocked DeSantis. DeSantis did not see that coming at all. So he's lost his support system. And on this one, what happens? Two of the most prominent black Republicans in Congress, Tim Scott and Byron Donalds, both came out and said that they agreed with Kamala Harris's criticisms of this curriculum. DeSantis couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it that... His, his fellow conservatives, black conservatives, are siding with Kamala Harris against him. This is what makes this campaign so much fun for me as a Floridian who have suffered under Ron DeSantis to see him just hung out to dry and all on his own with people in his own party attacking him is just too delicious for me. Here it is. What do you think about what Tim Scott said? <laughs> You know, I think part of the reason our country has struggled is because uh, D.C. Republicans all too often accept false narratives, uh, accept lies that are perpetrated by the left, and to, you know, accept the lie that Kamala Harris has been perpetrating even when that has been debunked. Um, that's not the way you do it. The way you do it, the way you lead, is to fight back against the lies, is to speak the truth. So I'm here defending my state of Florida uh, against false accusations and against lies, and we're going to continue to speak the truth. 
It all kind of adds up, doesn't it? Because, you know, my first real knowledge of Ron DeSantis doing his thing in Florida was when he refused to condemn those Nazi rallies that were taking place. And, you know, he was asked point blank, a little bit like that interview, you know, why won't you condemn these these Nazi, I mean, real proper Nazi rallies with swastikas and everything. I mean, these people weren't hiding their, their allegiance. And he just d- dodged the question. And it's... It's a bit like Trump's relationship with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and these far-right groups. It's like any support is fair game to them. You know, they need support. They're desperate for support. And so they'll just involve and and welcome anybody, no matter how extreme their views. And it suggests to me that actually Ron DeSantis, as an individual, holds pretty far-right, you know, racist and white supremacist views himself. He does. But, you know, it doesn't bother Ron DeSantis when the media attacks him or Biden or Kamala Harris or, you know, a Democrat in Congress attacks him. That doesn't bother Ron DeSantis. But what really, really gets under his skin is when another Republican goes after him. And so when he tried and I can tell you what he said right there, the Republican went absolutely nuts. You criticize Tim Scott, you know, who's you know, even though they're not going to necessarily vote for him president, all Republicans love Tim Scott. Then he says he calls Byron Donalds like what do you call him like a D.C. swamp creature? Byron Donalds is like in his first or second term in Congress. He's a Florida congressman. He's he's barely spent any time in D.C. So, I mean, to refer to him as like a D.C. the the atmospherics, they're black Republicans and this is about slavery. He's a Florida congressman. I mean, there's just nothing good about this fight for Ron DeSantis. Yeah. And yet he keeps bringing it up himself and he keeps talking about it when he should be running away from this issue as fast as possible. Let's uh, talk about what's been going on these congressional committees and investigating uh, Hunter Biden. James Comer, of course, is at the center of this, who's the Republican on the committee who has been trying to find witnesses there's a witness he's coming he's coming soon he's coming tomorrow maybe he'll come the day after the guy never shows up then it turns out the guy's like a Chinese spy and he's being done for something else and so Comer is like having to invent a whole new hoax for Hunter Biden to draw you know to distract people from the indictment of Trump and everything else I mean is that it in a nutshell tell me a little more detail if I've missed anything out there it's uh yeah it's it's, it's a mess isn't it it's very very rare that these guys really really truly make me mad i i very rarely get like where i i lose my cool this was one of those times on sunday you know i get really upset anytime i hear the january 6th testimony and stuff like that that makes me very upset more than anything else um emotionally i get just pissed off you know so that's one thing i think the last time though i was this mad on a weekend was when they prank called biden and jill biden on christmas they had the prank caller call in and say let's go brandon that one got me pretty upset so upset i spent that night tracking that caller down in oregon and outing him uh his name and of course i got attacked for doxing the guy but i found the guy okay i tracked him down through through his son's pokemon card collection is how i found him <laughs> that's a, a long story you've got some skills i don't know how you do this and it's I a long story how you, how you have the time for this stuff Ron. <laughs> it's a long story but I'll, that's for another day yeah. but this one made me mad because comer went on you know maria's show bartolo Bartol, Bartol, on sunday morning and claimed that 
you know, DOJ was in trying to threaten his witness into not testifying Devin Archer on Monday. And it was a complete fabrication. It was a complete lie. What happened is Archer, who was convicted of fraud almost two years ago, appealed just like Steve Bannon is doing appealed. The judge didn't make him go to sentenced him already to a year in prison. Didn't make him go in, let him stay out during his appeal. That's gone on for two years. His appeal was just decided. The appellate court last week sent the order to the trial court saying the appeal is denied. So it's time for him to turn himself in, right? So DOJ contacts his lawyers and says, hey, can we agree on a date in the future when he's going to turn himself in? His lawyers, you know, slow played it. They just stalled. They said, no, no, we're we're exploring other legal options. All nonsense. So DOJ filed a motion with the court on Saturday saying, look, he obviously, this appeal is denied. He's not willing to agree to turn himself in. We need to schedule a date for him to turn himself in in the future. So they took that letter and went crazy. This huge firestorm all day on Sunday on social media. The DOJ is threatening to arrest our witness, you know, on Sunday, which was a complete lie. So yeah, I spent like all day Sunday just debunking, attacking, attacking, and all the usual suspects got involved, Gates, Green, Bobert, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, it was all a lie. Okay, let's see, let's see James Comer doing his, uh, putting on a show. Here it is. First, let me get to this breaking news. I have in my hand a letter from the Department of Justice that was sent to the Southern District of New York on Saturday. Uh, by the way, Devin Archer is testifying on Monday. Do you ever see, do you usually see the DOJ send letters like this out on a Saturday? Never, never. This is the first time I've ever heard of the Department of Justice doing anything on a Saturday. So what is this letter? Can you walk us through it? Uh, The government is uh, apprising the court of the status of Devin Archer's appeal of his judgment of conviction, and they request that the court set a surrender date for the defendant to report to a facility. Uh, Please walk us through what this letter says. Yeah, the letter from the Department of Justice is uh, trying to nudge the judge to go ahead and uh, sentence Devin Archer uh, for something unrelated to what we're going to be talking to him about tomorrow. Uh, It's odd that it was issued on a Saturday, and it's odd that it's right before he's scheduled to come in to uh, have an opportunity to speak in front of the House Oversight Committee and tell the American people the truth about what really went on with Burisma. So, you know, I don't know if this is a coincidence, Maria, or if this is another example of the weaponization of the Department of Justice. It's more faux outrage. It's just noise for Fox News. It, there's nothing is based in truth. It d- divides the country. It devalues the Department of Justice. It, it, it's so unpatriotic for representatives like James Comer to take this position, but all they care about is you know the one party winning and one party losing it's just enemies of the state scoring political points yeah and you know yeah maybe it was a little clumsy for doj to do and by the way federal prosecutors work on weekends they e-file things on weekends you know comer's full of crap on that uh that's just nonsense uh but yeah, I mean, it, it, they probably should have waited. It probably wasn't the, the you know, politically smartest thing to do, but it, it was kind of a routine thing. It really wasn't a big deal. No. But of course, Republicans made it a big deal. And, and they will use anything, literally anything, anything that, that look, could look like to the untrained eye, 
that there's something going on. They create right. a conspiracy. And let's be honest, you know, conspiracy really should be the word of the decade because, you know, that everything, right, in, including UFOs, which have somehow made it into the news in the last few weeks as well. It's like, you know, tr- truth and facts are, you know, things that let us know which way is up. You know, we we need to yeah. have some equilibrium in in life. We need to. That's why we wear a watch, right? So we know what time of day it is. We know that the sun rises, and then, then the, we see the moon in the evening, and we're like, yeah, okay. This is like this is a day. These guys. Yeah, I'll say one more thing about that yeah. too, because this is a the you know the rapid response stuff, which the Democrats don't have, and Republicans are quite good at. Yeah is also frustrating to me because as I'm watching this build and members of Congress are chiming in, Gates, Green, Boebert, Cruz, Rand Paul, one after the other, Kevin McCarthy, Democrats were silent. Right. There was nobody. Uh, I'm a, I was the only one out there pushing back. Finally, Dan Goldman did, and Dan Goldman follows me on Twitter. I don't know if he saw all the stuff I was putting out. But finally, he he chimed in and he's the one who showed up at the deposition and really was saved the day for Democrats. But, you know, I'm a little frustrated that all of these Republicans were out there lying all day Sunday, putting that stuff out there. And, you know, it seemed like Dan Goldman was the only Democrat out there pushing back. There needs you know, to be a, a kind of do a better job. Yeah. A, a war room where you can deal with this stuff, yep. because, you know, that the, the whole point, the whole Republican conspiracy machine is is significant, you know, and, and yes. Bannon's at the heart of this, and they love it. They put it out there, and they just they watch it burn. And it's so frustrating to me because it means that people don't know where to look. They get they're bombarded with information, and if they hear that kind of concerned voice on Fox, <laughs> yeah then they think that it's important. Let's just, uh, we haven't got much time, just a few minutes. So I want to talk about this Devin Archer deposition, which you mentioned, of course. Let me show the clip and then we can explain what what this is about. Like most of the time, uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. uh, And he would, you know, talk about the, the way, he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. He, the, the witness was very, very consistent that none of those conversations ever had to do with any business dealings or transactions. They were purely what he called casual conversations. Joe Biden's not an idiot. He's not going to talk on speakerphone about official secrets to his son who is phoning him 20 times over 10 years just to prove that he's the, you know, Joe Biden's son. And who wouldn't take their son's phone call? I mean, this really blew up this whole investigation, didn't it? Yeah, I'm very pleased now. I think that the Democratic Party on Hunter Biden is now where I have been at for a couple of years because I saw all this laptop stuff years ago. Yeah. And it was always my position that Hunter Biden is not a good guy. Hunter Biden was a hardcore drug addict who did a lot of bad stuff, who used his father's name and traded upon his father's name and his position to get money improperly. And he shouldn't have done it. And he did it, I think, because of his drug abuse habit. And and he actually has imperiled our democracy because of Hunter Biden's conduct, because he put his his dad, who is integral to helping us defeat Trump. He put his dad in jeopardy politically 
with what he did by putting him on the phone call. And, and so what I've always said is don't defend Hunter Biden. Don't defend what Hunter Biden did, but separate him from Joe and point out over and over again that Joe had nothing to do with what Hunter Biden was up to. And I think Democrats who were defending Hunter Biden for a while have stopped and are now focused on the task at hand, which is, you know, he was a dad trying to help out his son who got a little taken advantage of by his son. And that's all there is to it. I'm going to push back a little bit and say that I would like to defend drug addicts because addiction is, is a disease. It's not a choice. And if you're a drug addict and you don't know what you're doing half the time, then, you know, that was very much the case with Hunter Biden. He was at the the mercy of his addiction. And, you know, of course, if you are in business, because I interviewed Lev Parnas on the the show last weekend on uh, the weekend show, and we talked about this. and, And he basically said that, you know, it's quite normal for these types of companies in Ukraine, like Burisma, to want to bring in big names because it gives them value. So I wouldn't put too much of the blame onto Hunter Biden. You know, yeah, he probably got the job because his dad was Joe Biden, but his dad knows better than to get involved. And he famously said, Joe Biden famously said to Hunter when he got the job, I hope you know what you're doing. And you know, so he wasn't, you know, again, the conspiracies can make all the noise they like. But I just see Hunter Biden as a as a fool and a bit of a and a victim as well. And it's unfortunate that he had been this your disease, washing machine and your dishwasher beaten, and your and, uh, fireplace, you know, I'm sure he'll write your book light we'll bulbs, find out what was anything that they can go but, you know, what, What's amazing is, is that it, please don't write a book, Hunter Biden. Do not write a book. Ten years from now, write a book. Not this year. No, it won't be this year. Ten years is fine. But you said. And you haven't bought one of his paintings. I mean, his paintings are going. Don't, don't sell any more paintings. <laughs> my God, this is, that's a horrible. That's another horrible thing. My my, I mean, my seven year old daughter could do a better painting than those paintings. <laughs> okay, finally, um, let's talk about Matt DiPerno, um, who's been okay. indicted for tampering with voting machines. Tell us who this guy is, uh, and then I'll show this short clip. Oh, well, Matt DiPerno is a clown. I mean, he's an attorney who is very politically involved, very Trumpy in Michigan, active in the Michigan Republican Party. So when the 2020 election was happening and all these clowns are coming out of the woodwork, DiPerno was one of the main guys. I mean, DiPerno was one of the main guys behind all the election audits and challenging this, claiming the machines were tampered with. And what him and his crew did, which included a state rep and some other people, uh, was they seized some voting machines and were were messing with them, were tampering with them to try and show that you know Chinese satellites were flipping votes, and that's illegal. You know you can't take possession of voting machines, you can't mess with them, you can't. It's, and this is completely separate from the fake elector thing. Yeah. A lot of people are confusing the two. This is a separate deal. But Matt DiPerno, Trump endorsed him for Attorney General in 2022 at Michigan, endorsed him to be head of the Michigan Republican Party. So this is not a nobody. So I believe he's either already been disbarred or has bar pending. And now he's just been indicted uh, a couple of days ago, which anybody who's really followed all of this stuff, who really follows the fringy right-wing characters, Matt DiPerno is one of the top villains. He may not be well known to the general public, but he is a really, really bad guy, an important piece to take off the chessboard. 
Okay, let's uh, see him kind of showing his allegiance at one of these rallies. We will no longer let these Democrats to uh, allow these Democrats to teach our children to hate God, hate their country, and hate their family. It will end. We should also mention that um, there's a lot of characters who are what I would call, like you say, who are not that publicly known. Like Jeffrey Clark, for example, who's one of the co-conspirators in sure. the indictment, right? Yes. Jeffrey Clark famously, who had a small position in the Department of Justice, right? And then he was promoted in the two weeks between Trump losing the election and, and, the, and the inauguration to Attorney General, acting Attorney General. Well, he tried to do that. He tried to yeah. do that, and it didn't. Yeah. He kind of ran out yeah. of time. But but Jeffrey Clark famously photographed in his underpants outside his house on his kind of front yard because he was raided in the middle of the night. And and he's another character that is going to prove a little bit like DePerno is going to kind of prove a kind of linchpin in a lot of these investigations. He absolutely will be indicted, and I'm I'm very glad of that. If you really want to get pissed off, follow Jeff Clark on Twitter for a couple of days. <laughs> he's he's just an annoying sob, and uh, I will be very happy to see him in handcuffs. I'm amazed that the guy is still tweeting. Uh, you know, you would have thought that after all of this drama, that he would he crawl didn't. under a rock. He didn't for for about two years, and then he just started. Um, uh, yeah, and he and he runs his mouth plenty. But uh, yeah, he's clearly one of the uh, unindicted co-conspirators here who is about to be indicted. Just before we finish, any ideas who the sixth person is? No one seems to have worked it out yet. Uh, yeah, Boris Efestine. Um, actually, uh, who, who got it? Uh, Jonathan Swan from the New York Times figured it out. Did he? Yeah, I think it's going to be Boris, who is like Peter Navarro's wingman on the Green Bay sweep thing. Uh, yeah, who's always on Steve Bannon's show. Yeah, it looks like it's old Boris. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's all we have time for on this edition of MAGA Uncovered. I'm Anthony Davis, and that's Ron Filipkowski. You can follow him on Twitter, but not Threads. I'm on Twitter and Threads at the Anthony Davis. Um, we'll come back next week and do it again. Uh, you can catch me on the 5-Minute News podcast every morning where you get to hear me telling you what's going on around the world each morning for five minutes. Uh, and then, of course, this Sunday, we have a very special episode of the weekend show. Uh, join us next week at the same time. Ron, thank you, and have yourself a great week.